Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. Let's listen to the brokers at the Old Capital Conference for 2023, led by Michael Becker. All right, so appreciate everyone coming. Michael Becker, SBI, we got the listing broker panel. Like what Neil had to say, I, I will add on to that. I like the uh, James kind of coined the survive to 25. I think you need to buy in 23 and 24, survive to 25, thrive in 26, sell in 27, and then you go fuck off and do whatever you want to do in 2027. So that's my plan at least. So it's adding on to that. But start with some introductions. So Jacob Anderson, we got Nick, we got Mark, we got John. So Jake, we want to go ahead and make a brief introduction. Sure. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Great to see so many people out here. Lovely venue. Thank you so much, Old Capital. My name is Jacob Anderson. I am with Newmark in Dallas, a broker's firm focused on A, Bs, and Cs. And that's really it. Good morning. Nick Flewellen, Marcus and Millichap. My partner and I, Bart Hoover, lead a team of 23, and we're focused kind of here in this entire region. Mostly Bs and Cs and DFW, but we, we do some Class A stuff in secondary and tertiary markets and then in some of the outskirts of the Metroplex here. Good morning, Mark Allen of GREA, National Multifamily Specialized Brokerage, one of the largest private multifamily specialized brokerages in the country. We did about 15 billion in sales with the addition of two teams we're bringing on in New York City and uh, Raleigh Durham over the last two years. And I lead up our DFW workforce housing team. Good morning, John Krebs, one of the managing partners at the multifamily group here in Dallas. And we kind of attack the market from maybe Tulsa, Oklahoma City, down through DFW, San Antonio and Houston, and then some tertiary markets spread in between there. Glad to be here. All right. Well, I think everyone's probably aware of it, but maybe Nick, you can just do a, a brief overview. What's your kind of general take on the market? Obviously, 2021, you know, into the first quarter of 2022 was absolutely ripping. Values going through the roof, rents rising, very different environment today. But what, you know, if you had to summarize that in a, in a moment or two, kind of what's your generic take on the market right now? It is not ripping. You know, I mean, it, it's interesting. The conversations I'm having with a lot of people and have had with a lot of people over the last, you know, many years is, you know, oh, the market's overheated. I'm just sitting on the sideline. I'm waiting for a correction. Here we go. We got our correction. Uh, I don't know what everybody thought the cause of the correction was going to be, but, uh, you know, if it was going to be some sort of correction where values were going to drop, but financing was still amazing, obviously that, that was probably not a real realistic you know, target. So I, I will say this, we, you know, as, as you saw Neil's slide and, and probably everybody out here is living, the, the transaction volume is way down this year, but there are deals still being done. We've done 27 deals just on our team this year. We have 20 either in escrow or agreed to, and then we have 19 that are on the market or coming soon. So it, it's not as if there's not transactions happening. I, I will say we've seen some of the best deals that we've underwritten you know, in the, in the last six months, I mean, there, there are deals that are performing very well. You know, obviously the, the big summary is when interest rates double and cap costs go way up and, you know, your reversion cap rates are much higher, right? Deals don't work. And so that's what we're sorting through and trying to figure out what's the best advice to give to people right now. But I will say it's, it's not all bad. I do think there's deals that are trading at 
basis that that people are going to be really happy that they bought if they can figure out a way to to get it done right now. So that that that's a quick summary. And then Mark, so who 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 are your sellers? What's motivating them? What's the story behind them? It seems like a terrible time to sell if you don't have to. So why why are people selling or what what are the deals that are you doing? What's behind it? Yeah, I mean, it's no different than years past where there's there's going to be some level of motivation and that motivation varies. Could be maturity coming up, could be, you know, a major fire that occurred or a partnership dispute or you've got equity, you're you're kind of aging out of the business and you know, you don't want to ride through another five years and, and come out of the other side of the cycle. So it, it really just depends. Hey, let me, I just want to add one thing to that because I, I do think that's a common thing that, that people are asking. I, I think if you have a deal that you're in the money on, that you bought, you know, and you had the right kind of debt and you don't have this, this urgency, like to free that money up, to be able to chase some of the opportunities that are on the market now or that are coming, uh, I think is also a super valuable you know, thing to consider right now, because, you know, it's good to get a win on the board right now, number one, but two, I mean, if you, the largest part of an equity multiple IRR is, is, you know, when you sell the property. And so if you can go out and buy a deal at a low basis today and then survive till 25 and thrive in 26, then you're going to, you're going to get a good equity multiple today. And you're going to get a really good equity multiple when you bought these deals at a sub- substantial discount. So I think that's a motivation. So, so John, you mainly do a lot of the secondary markets. So we've seen the volume and, and DFW hold up much better than, uh, than, than some other markets are. Is that the same tertiary secondary or are you seeing that just really grind to a halt right now? No, there's, there's deals that are, that are trading out there Two that, or I guess what one we had on the market and uh, it actually went into foreclosure. And then another one that's sort of in danger of being in foreclosure where you know, syndications that just really weren't well capitalized and now the equity has been wiped out and even a lot of the debt. So I think there's some pain out there. Like I saw that, you know, what Neil was talking about. Then, you know, we've, like I sold Neil a deal in Colleen and for the longest time, you know, we couldn't get any syndicators to go to Colleen. And now the ones that did are very happy with those assets and yeah, the deal that Neil bought's doing really well. And there's a lot of opportunity there where you see some, some people having some trouble in other places. So, you know, it's deal by deal, but just to kind of echo what these guys said, we've got one guy selling because he's a long-term owner. Well, that's one in Bachman Lake. He's got another deal in, in Hearst and another deal in South Dallas that he's just ready to be out of the business. And then two others that we're selling are HUD loan assumptions and they're developers. So they're, they've got long-term debt they can offer. And that's, you know, the reason they're selling is to recycle their capital and go build another one. I was going to say, it's really interesting because in 2021 and 2022, I mean, peak years, 10% of the market was turning over on average. It's typically four, five, 6%. So in a two-year period, I'd say a year and a half, 21, half of 22, you had 20% of the market trade hands. It's a significant amount. And there were investors, there were buyers, owners, operators that were, have been in the business a very long time, 10, 20, 30 plus years. And we're buying during that time as well. So no one's immune. But it, it's also interesting that the conversations last year with sellers and those who had bought at the peak were, well, you know, I really need to hit that 15% IRR for my investors, but I'm at a 5% IRR. And now the conversation has shifted this year where it's like, I really need to break even. I can't lose 30% of my equity or whatever the case may be. And I mean, there could be very well a scenario where the long end of the yield curve is obviously that yield curve is flattening right now. So rates are going up. 
which you know erodes value, which erodes equity. And there could be a, a scenario next year where you know you got some headwinds on the expense side as well, revenue flat, interest rates up, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm I'm in a negative equity position. So it, it's a very difficult time to make these decisions because there's a lot of different ways uh, I could go. We could very well see a soft landing. Some things could start to break. The Fed could cut. The bond market could completely shift and interest rates come down. Or like the quote said, could be a pretty hard landing. So Jacob, all the BOVs you're doing right now, how many of them are below where the owner paid for it? you have a sense of that? Yeah, I do. We do have quite a few. It all depends when obviously these assets were bought. The majority we're seeing, it's as much like you're putting your advisory hat on instead of just sales hat and, and you try to do the best for your clients and, and, and paint the picture so they can communicate the right things to their partners of where they are in the market. Reality is when you have six and a half percent and then you might have bought a deal when it was in the threes, it's not going to be at your purchase price. So a lot of them, we are seeing below that number. We're going through what's half, right, what's more wrong. than half, 75%. How many are below debt basis? 10. So yeah, they, they're, they're definitely there. It's not fun conversations to have, but it's reality. And, and we try to find the best path. It might be selling, it might not be, but. The one thing that's so important in this market is don't bury your head in the sand. This is real world. And to the point where we're talking about selling, you might have, you know, at, at, at not ideal, you're not doubling your money. But if you can redeploy that money in this market, this is the market a lot of us has been looking for when you're talking about opportunity. It's here now. So, so anyone on the panel who, who like maybe a recent transaction, who, who's a buyer? How do the deal get capitalized? What's, what's working right now? Like in real time? Yeah, sure. So the institutions are more or less out. There have been net, net sellers here the last couple of months due to their fund requirements and whatnot. They're not doing a lot to go back to Neil's slides. There is a ton of capital within those groups that are sitting on the sideline, but they have not been deploying a lot. We are still seeing, we're seeing some foreign capital coming in. Believe it or not, we are actually in a great place here. A lot of places around, and that can be political pressure. It can be inflation rates and whatnot. Money wants to come here to Texas. So we, we have seen some of that money coming in and private money, recycling, 1031, whatnot. Nick, uh, you, you guys sold a, I don't know if you're wanting to talk about it or not, but you guys sold a deal that was pretty interesting. And Fort Worth recently, that was got some attention, at least got my attention. I don't know if you want to talk about that or, or use that as like a, some takeaways from it. Well, the sad thing is all these deals are interesting right now. So I'm not even 100% sure which one you're talking about. But I, I, I will say that I had, I mean, we've, we've sold two recently that have been below, below the price that the previous owner bought them for millions of dollars below. Got another one in escrow right now that's probably four or five million dollars below. So I, I, the I would price agree. Or the debt basis, not the debt basis, yeah. just the the original price and and the all in basis. I mean, we're we're certainly underwriting lots of deals that are the same. As far as deals that have been on the market recently, you know, I, I will say this one one that I think has been very interesting, and there's probably 15 people in this room that offered on it. So Lake Lakeside Village in Wiley, which is a small deal, 76 unit deal, but I mean, we had 36 property tours and 34 offers on this deal. And I mean, that was a shock to us because even when the market was at its best, we weren't generally getting 34 offers on a deal. And so 
as we kind of discussed as, as this deal was on the market, man, why is this getting so much traction? I think the reason for it, and it's all private buyers, I think the biggest reason for, for really any deals is that it was an equity raise people were comfortable with. They were not worried about going out and trying to buy a deal and then falling flat on their face, trying to raise $15 million, you know, 100K at a time, right? Like that, that's, that was very easy to do 12, 18 months ago. It's very intimidating to do now. And so I think these sub $20 million deals and even sub $15 million deals, which have always been attractive, nice deals, they're just a little more attractive and a little hotter right now than they were previously because for people that are like, hey, I would like to be doing something, that's one that everybody feels good about. And even if you had to bring in somebody else to help, it's still very manageable. And so now, are they going you know, way above what we thought they were going to go? No, it's not. It's not the exact same type market that we were in before because they are still debt constrained more so than previously. And of course, people have swung the, the hard the opposite way and don't want to put bridge loans on these deals. So they are kind of debt constrained, but I will say we, we were not expecting that type of, of return. Likewise, larger deals that we have on the market, we are getting good activity on candidly because we're just, we're working really hard on them. We have a little more time than we've had in previous years to work on deals. So we're working really hard on these deals. But again, those, the, the equity is, is always the concern. And I will say from the, the point of view of GPs potentially in this room or even LPs, if, but especially GPs trying to raise equity, if you're going to go out and try to raise $15, 20000000 million, you better have a really compelling story. And so I think what I've learned is that the cap rate is pushing higher on some of these larger deals because it, they need a compelling story to go take to equity. And, and otherwise, you know, everybody's just going to kind of sit around and wait. So that, that's what I've seen in the two kind of most recent real-time deals for us. And then so real-time, Mark, what are, how have the terms changed? I mean, it used to be you know, certainly six figures, maybe seven figures in earnest money, day one, limited inspections, you know, all that all BS. And I'm assuming that's by and large gone, right? I mean, generally, I looking at our numbers, I think it's right around 80% of our deals are still going with some level of non-refundable earnest money. It just really, it really depends on the deals. Granted, I, I would say, you know, most of our deals this year have been on a, I mean, obviously values have shifted, you know, I'd say 30, 40%, but you know, they've just been smaller deals as far as unit count in years past. And I'm okay with it. Like, you know, you go new debt, Freddie SPL, you can lock it application, takes out some of the risk on the larger deals, you know, loan assumptions are a little, little bit more stable, but all in all, I think it just depends on the scenario. You know, is it, is it priced to meet the market? And if it's, you know, a compelling location at a market price, then, you know, you're going to have a lot of demand on it specifically in that sub $15 million space. So we're still seeing non-refundable earnest money, but it's not the two, three percent plus that we were seeing before. And I would say generally, you know, uh, a lot of people from a physical inspection want a limited access period and whatnot. But outside of that, terms are, you know, as far as timing, terms are the same. I see, uh, I see a lot of deals get extended that don't have extensions to, to buy more time. And are you seeing hard deals with hard money get retraded? For us, not all that much. I mean, again, it just depends on the deal. I mean, one that specifically comes to mind was just a C property and probably a, a D location. So a little more of a challenging deal to sell in this environment, but you know, generally no. So John volumes down 70, 80%. Like how, when does that change? Like when do we start seeing more pitches to look at? I don't know, but I'm sad about it. I'm also sad because James told me I'd worked on a video where I was doing a voiceover for Dave Chappelle and Con Air 
and it's not going to play. Me too. You were in that one? Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all aren't going to see it. It was it's too risque for this crowd. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe another time, maybe offline. Um, oh, oh so, yeah. happy hour. James, James has got a special announcement. The video is a happy hour, so you got to stick around all day, I guess. So, yeah, we're down, you know, yeah, 70%, just about with the number compared to where we were last year. As far as transactions, we've seen it pick up here at the end of the year, kind of like what Neil mentioned that, you know, while pricing has been, you know, sort of hard to, to find, it seems like people are, sellers are coming around a little bit more. You've got, you know, I mentioned the folks that like we're selling another one, the folks have owned it five or six years. So they're, they're in the money pretty, pretty good. And they're going to take the proceeds and roll that into a bigger deal. So, so there are, there are deals happening. It seems more now than maybe, you know, four or five months ago. I think we just need these interest rates to, to come down some. And really, I think we're going to see some more of this pain that I'm talking about, you know, where, you know, the, the pricing is either at the debt or maybe there's, maybe there's some equity to, to get back that people are going to be forced to sell on. Right. And I, I don't know how the racing does like fall that much. It seems like we had seemed like the market kind of, my, my impression, the market kind of met where the bid-ask spread was wide and narrowed 60, 90 days ago. And all of a sudden the rates went up again and then the spread gaps out because the sellers kind of came to reality. So I don't know, Mark, if you've seen that. Yeah, we just need a sense of stability. When, when treasury yields came down in March and they were pretty stable through June, obviously up and down, but relatively stable to what we've been seeing, that helps make transactions. The bid-ask spread closed. And like you said, now it's widened. Just as a data point in Dallas-Fort Worth, there's been 183 deals listed year to date at this point. 101 of those have not got to the closing table. So that's 55% of the deals in the market that have failed. And, you know, I mean, maybe it's some of the, how the brokers are pricing the deals, but, you know, it's also because of that bid-ask spread. So, Nick, Jacob, we all were doing deals in 08. So, Jacob, I was on the banking side, you're on the principal side, and Nick, you were selling apartments. Is this 08? Is this turning into 08? I mean, that was that was a mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, I, I, I'll tell you what, it's been so good since that time. It's, it's like having a kid, you know? It's like you forget how hard it is at the beginning. Otherwise, you'd never want to do it again, you know? Like, it's like, uh, it's been so good. You don't even want to, like, remember what it was like back, back then. But, you know, I don't know. It's interesting because I think, A, we, we've got a more sophisticated investor pool than we did in 08. I mean, we weren't doing conferences like this in 08. There's been a lot of education poured out into this market, and, and this market has just grown so much. So I do think it feels better than 08, you know, because we are smarter. We know a little bit more how to navigate the problems, the challenges. We've got a great, you know, team of, of specialists that can kind of help in, in every area. And so I, I, you know, and then the fundamentals are, are really good in Dallas too. I mean, so that, that part of it all feels good. I mean, the, to me, this distress is, is dr whatever distress there, there is in the market is almost entirely debt driven, right? I mean, that's not a mystery, but if you bought it, a you know, three cap because the interest rates were in the threes, then it's not going to work well when they're seven, you know, like, so it's just, doesn't matter how smart you are. It just doesn't work math wise. So I, I do think it's better now. I think people are more equipped now. I think there's more buyers in the market now. You know, so how long is it going to last? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think the one bullet point that I cling to on that slide and that, that I bring up a lot as I'm talking to people is 
it always comes roaring back stronger than before. And if you believe that, and there's a lot of data and a lot of history that would would indicate you should believe that. But if you believe that, then to get a chance to buy right now when everything's essentially on sale is going to bode well. When people say who's going to be the winners right now, like when we look back two or three years from now, it's going to be the people that were figuring out a way to buy deals. As hard as it is to raise equity, as hard as it is to structure debt, those people are going to end up being the winners. So I think we're better off than we were in 08. But I think, again, a lot of it's just the the investors and, and the people uh, probably are better equipped to navigate it. Right. I don't think we're going to wait. I, mean, I think that that was bad. The, uh, everyone could buy a home. The fundamentals of debt were bad for a long time. This this We had the debt fund come in for an 18-month window. And if you buy in that 18-month window with a, a debt fund loan, then you're, you got some problems, right? But, you know, goes up, could come down too. So the rates could come down, it could stabilize. And I think if you buy a deal at the peak in 07, 08, by you know, 13, 14, you're, you're back in the black. So it doesn't last forever. Take and people tend to forget too. I mean, there was, there were, there were operators that were for, uh, foreclosed on yeah. during that time and names uh, names. have come back <laughs> even stronger. Names, yeah. So, you know, yeah, several so, still in the marketplace. I can't believe they still do business. And all, the history so. always forgets too. I mean, in 04, the fed funds rate was one and a quarter. They hiked the fed hiked and paused at five and, or I'm sorry, one and a half to five and a quarter. And pause in 06, 07, and subprime loans were two-year fixed, 28-year floating on creditworthy borrowers, and obviously, you know, we know what happened there. So 15 years goes by, and, and a lot of people forgot, including ourselves. You know, I will say one other thing that, that's been really interesting. We've discussed this even in the last few days as we've looked at a couple of deals, and, and I'm sure, Jacob, you guys, you know, are having the same discussions, but we looked at a deal for a client we sold a deal to a couple of years ago. He has executed his business plan perfectly. His income's up 600K, I think, in the last two years. It really, really impressive job on the income side. But I think the other issue is, is expenses, right? When you look at a, an OM, you get, you get variable expenses and fixed expenses are controllable, non-controllable. And obviously, we didn't anticipate, and I don't think many GPs, I, I don't know that I've ever looked at somebody's underwriting and saw somebody write, well, I'm going to underwrite a... 200% increase in insurance or, or well, I just have never seen it. You'll never win a deal. So, you know, don't, you don't, you, you, you can't underwrite that way or you couldn't historically underwrite that way and actually win a deal. But what was interesting is the 600K in revenue was offset by about almost 500K in expense growth that, that wasn't expected. And so, you know, it's like you could almost think, oh, well, I, I was able to, to take this rise in, in these interest rates and offset it because I did such a good job operationally. But but they're not even really getting that much credit for all the operational success because of the rise in expenses. So it's just a lot of factors all at once. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I think for our position, it's hard to advise people in exactly what the right plan is right now. It, it really is dependent on the partnership and depending on the LPs and, and, and depending on the asset, how much do you really believe in like the asset moving forward? That's just another thing that, that I, I, I think is, compounded the the mess that we're in right now is that that maybe we didn't fully expect we didn't expect an underwrite a big freeze you know yeah. killing us on insurance so 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 anyone on the panel so we we've seen is there any good news on express front i i mean i'm on the hill i'm dying on is 2023's peak property taxes like it just has to be there's just no way so we should get some relief in 2024 from accommodation we're seeing the millage rate compress 
there's a new tax. Texas November will be voted in with a further reduction of, you know, three to six cents on the ISD millage rate. And then now some of these deals have traded high and now they're trading lower. There's a comp and it might take you 12 months to go fight, you know, DCAD or Tarrant CAD to go get that value. But then the day you're going to get the taxes. Is there any other expenses you're hearing from anybody that might might be some uh, a glimmer of hope here on the expense front, Jacob? Well, I, I think one of the things we saw during uh, COVID and you go, went in to buy your deal and you had your CapEx budget set up for doing upgrades. Now, some of the things we heard earlier with the cost of just getting product over and getting like the shipment, the shipping delays, whatnot. I think that really pushed the expenses too. the numbers we've heard here from I'd say the last 24 months, they have been much higher than the normal in, in turning a unit and upgrading it. The other part is probably payroll. It got super, super tight in, in all, all parts of the industry. I think going forward, we're probably seeing that stabilizing a little bit more and not running as wild. So when I started the business, we had four, four property grades, we had A, B, C, and D. And then somewhere about five years ago, all the D-class deals went away. We just had A, B, and C. And then when I started, you know, there's about a 300 to 350 basis point spread between the top of the grade to the bottom of the grade and cap rate. And then last few years, they were essentially, you know, really tight within 50 or 100 basis points of each other. Now that we're seeing, you know, some interest rates rise, we're seeing seeing cap rates expand. Or was my thesis right? Are we stickier on the top of the grade and the lower inferior locations, inferior product, chiller, aluminum wiring, those cap rates are blowing out wider. Is that what you guys are observing? 100%. I mean, this is the biggest delta I can recall in the last you know decade between A, B, and C. I mean, it's literally 100 basis points plus across each of those segments. So, right. I mean- It's very different in the Bs, the 80s and 90s versus the Cs. Very different. Very different. I mean, and again, I think you, you start now, everybody's really dug in on risk at this point, right? I mean, it, the market's tight. So now everybody's really strongly considering risk. And so you have to price in risk on a C deal right now if you, if you want to sell it, you know? So yes, I think the cap rate for the first time in a long time is notably different between between certainly B's and C's and, and even A's and, and B's as well. So in your mind, what, what do you, what's cap rates right now across the grade? Like what would an A deal be, a B, a C? I mean, I think A's are probably low fives. And, you know, I mean, if it's really premium, it could be lower than that. But I mean, again, the institutions aren't really doing much. So so it's it's going to be low fives. You know, I think you start getting into the 80s stuff, it's it's high fives, low sixes. And C stuff is is probably seven plus, which is... It sounds insane. I mean, I, I did not think, you know, two years ago, we would be up here talking about the ability to buy seven cap deals in DFW. But, and I don't know that we will two years from now, but right now today, there, there is an opportunity to buy, so, buy deals at, at seven plus caps. So what's the window? Like how, how long do we have? Anybody? All of you? Well, one thing I think that's an important factor, and we saw it on the slide earlier with all this cash sitting on the side, when that is getting released, it's too late. The competition on these things here will drive the cap rates down no matter what. So the window is, it can't be really planned. It can't, it's not going to be like 10 boxes that are lined up and picture perfect. But if you can hit it before that capital get pushed into the market, I think that's your window. And it's quite frankly starting right now. It's really hard to plan right now when we have 100 basis points or 50 basis points raising in, 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 in a week. 
what's tomorrow going to be, but when we're starting to see it just level out a little bit, uh, hopefully that's going to be here in the Q, Q4. I think that's going to be a pretty good time. Last year when I sat up here, I said just kind of a rule of thumb on B deals. Like if I could get somewhere around 55% leverage, I could probably make a deal. This was six months after the Fed started hiking. C deals, 65% LTV. I can probably make a deal. And I think since then, it's probably north of 60% for a B deal and north of 70% for a C deal, which means, you know, that spread over the, over the interest rate has widened a little bit and the market has kind of, you know, come in as far as those spreads go. But what makes cap rates a little bit hard is because of assumable debt. Like Neil mentioned, you know, locked out. Could you imagine if fixed rate, you know, debt for multifamily was not assumable? You know, that would, that would be awful. So when, when we're looking at deals, you know, we're, we're trying to find ones that have some assumable debt and then your cap rate can be adjusted some. What, what does that look like? Cause I, I don't think I can pay the markets of five and a quarter for a class A and I got a, you know, new desk at six and I can assume a four. I don't think I can pay a four and a half or a four and a quarter because that debt's a burning match. And at some point it's going to go away. What kind of premium to cap do you get? Well, I noticed you never called me back on my Granberry deal. You reached out. Yeah, so that Granberry deal is at three and a half HUD. Yeah. So we've got it priced at five. you got five. 30 years there, right? So. Yeah, with a 40-year AM. And, you got a price set of five? Yeah, we got a price set of five. And what's and so the leverage on that? Like what? About 70. About 70, okay. Yeah. So so that so that's why I'm saying the debt and this, you know, we're here because of old capital and, and, and that's such a big driver of value that, the, you know, the cap rate's a bit of a moving target because if you're talking about new debt, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, it's tough to get a seller excited about a, a seven cap. But what, what if that was like a, a, a 4% rate with four years left on it or five years left on it? I mean, you're not going to get that big of a delta on your, on your cap or am I wrong? I'm going to try. And then, I, I mean, I think the thing to remember too, is that we're, you know, we can, we can certainly speak to the masses, right? But all it takes is one person to fall in love with a deal. They're, they're a little less likely to fall in love with it today than they were, you know, a year ago or two years ago. But I, I mean, I think that's, that's always been the case, right? It just takes one. There's only going to be one buyer. So if somebody believes in a deal, a location, a business plan, you know, and it's going to be a long-term holder, then yeah, maybe. But I mean, we're at as a team right now is we're not pricing for the needle in the haystack, right? I mean, we're, we're pricing for reality. Like we don't need the practice. I've been doing this for 20 years. I do not need the practice of going and showing a deal and, and touring and making 500 calls only to have a deal not sell, you know? So I, I think it's, you know, it's time to like be real. You know, people have to ask those hard questions. Would my LPs rather, you know, get 70% of their original equity back or would they rather a capital call? I, I, and I think that's a, that's a question people are asking right now. And, and you better have an answer to. I think that people are making the mistake of just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I've told people too, you can't wait and assume the first buyer is going to close. I mean, we used to be 98% like first buyer in escrow is going to close. And now I'm like, I hope they do. We're going to vet them as much as we can. But, you know, they may have been successful raising equity, 30 deals out of 30, but they aren't in this market, right? So I, I, I just, I, I'm like, you have to give time for, and, and ex, you know, expect maybe a deal not to work out perfectly right now. And there are going to be some issues. So I just think those are the hard conversations that have to be had, you know, as, as you know, partnerships right now. So it just takes one. That's how we all got married, right? You know, it just takes the <laughs> one, right? 
So I, I don't know, James, if you, we have a mic for questions of the audience, we got about 10 minutes, I think left, but, uh, but right now, like what, are, you know, what's, what's the best part of the market? What are you focusing on? What do you spend your time on right now, Jacob? And Nick, Nick just said that, you know, he doesn't need the practice. I don't think anyone on those stage needs practice anymore at this point in our career. So like, what gets you excited about bringing a deal out? What would have you not take a deal out right now? Sure. I think we need to all be on the same page. So I'm not very excited to go out on a complete limp and say, hey, you need this number because you need it. It's really about what the market will provide you. So again, I'm not in the business of driving all over DFW uh, and, and touring these deals and, and have nothing to show for it. And quite frankly, I'm not doing a service to the owners running all over their properties and disturbing their staff doing it. So it is about having those conversations up front and be on the same page and say, hey, you understand the market, I understand the market, and, and this is how it's going to go down. The one thing I would also encourage everyone that owns deals right now, and they might be looking at selling, time is a factor and the shot clock is running. So if you have a deal that you have a maturity or cap rate cap coming up, I can't help you if you have 15 days left to it. It takes time in this market and to do it right, got to underwrite it early, set the expectations early in order to be successful. So we work a lot and having these hard conversations with, with buyers, what is real, what is not real, we're not going to go out just and underwrite to a Hail Mary where everything needs to be perfect. We're not in that market. So that's the starting point. And those are the deals that, that, that makes in this market. All right, we're going to take a couple of questions. Maybe introduce yourself and then go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, James. Paula Saversula, I'm in Austin and we're looking for deals. And so I get calls from other groups looking for money because they can't make their raise. They're extending their deals. So what are the kinds of conversations are you having with them to get the, the sellers to decrease more? Do you, do you go as far as explaining to them what's on the horizon? I mean, do they know? Are they looking at IRR? You know, what, what can you help them with in order to get that conversation going? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, the conversation needs to happen before we even start, right? Like, hey, the, I mean, these deals that we've had on the market right now, the 10 years gone up 55 basis points since we've been on the market in the last 30 days. Like, that's a material difference. Like, so did we talk on the front end about debt and the impact it's going to have on the value? And is that a surprise when we get to the finish line and, oh, wow, these are, you know, I mean, it's, it's a conversation needs to happen at the front end. It's a conversation needs to be happening throughout the marketing. That feedback needs to be there. You know, I mean, at some point, somebody's just going to say it's better for me not to sell. And I mean, I understand that's a real possibility. And I mean, obviously we wouldn't, we generally don't want to work on those deals if we think that's what the outcome is going to be. But I mean, there are certain scenarios where that, that does make sense. The buyers struggle to raise equity. It's certainly caught, I mean, I've, we've got multiple deals that it's like, okay, well, it's taken time. The seller gave them more time and then the rates went up while they, you know, and then they want a, a, a price reduction because they can't get the equity and also because their loans, you know, gotten worse over time. And so it's, it's a double-edged sword for a seller to work with a buyer because at the same, you know, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot by giving them more time. Time has not been our friend in the last year on any of these deals. So, I mean, like there's no magic, you know, there's no magic formula. It's like, it's just communication and, and motivation. And if, if we're conveying that clearly and the sellers really see either you know, the value of selling now or what else they can do with that money that, that may put them in a better position than, than deals are happening or, or if they don't have a choice, right? If the, 
you know, rate cap is expiring and, and, you know, the, the loans ex- maturing or, or whatever, but I mean, that, that's it. I mean, it's just, we're just trying to over communicate right now more, more than we ever have. We, you know, I, I don't want to say we were lazy in the previous market. We just didn't, it, it was like 20 people trying to buy the same deal. And so it was, it was a very different deal where I was like, well, you don't buy it. You know, she'll buy it. If she doesn't buy it. Well, she'll buy it. And, and, and it's not that today. We really are trying hard to get it right on the front end and to shorten the time frame as much as we can, get as comfortable as we can with the equity, get as comfortable as we can with the variables. D- do you know what your insurance is going to cost? I know the existing owner has got a policy expiring in three months, but you know, do you know yours might be higher than that? You know, and did you underwrite this tax increase and, you know, all, all of these different variables, but you know, at the end of the day, we can't control the treasury. We can't control some of these other factors. So, so maybe, maybe we'll wrap up just with go down the line put on your buyer hat, give some advice, take that buyer hat, put on your seller hat and give that person some advice. Uh, uh, for me, I think it's questions like that and answers like that. We might be a peak pessimism. So maybe uh, <laughs> it's probably a pretty good time. You know, I mean, seriously, you know, rates have gone up a lot, but they go up, they go down too. You know, I was going to wash some guys out of the, you know, that, that shouldn't have the structure that they have. And you know, I think think Mark's right. No one's immune. You know, there's, there's challenges all over. Even the best operators have some challenges. But, I mean, you know, I'm getting bullish. I, I'm fully convinced you buy stuff right now, 2024. You're going to be handsomely rewarded. I don't know what stops Texas. Neil, Neil it's like we wrote read the same the same hymnal this morning. You know, you're seeing supply is, is going to be large in 2024, especially a guy that owns like a lot of nicer stuff. But, you know, they, they, they haven't been able to get capitalized the last six or nine months on new development. It takes two years from construction to CO in Texas on a generic deal. Those deals all deliver between now and basically Q1 of 2025. 24 is going to suck for rent growth. 25 is going to be pretty good. I think 26 is a banger year. Sell in 27. Go fuck off. Do whatever you want to do. Right? That's the, the basic story. I, I, I do have one question for you, Mike, since you're, you're the, the principal on the stage here. Are you locking in fixed rate loans at these rates today? Or are you as crazy as it sounds saying, hey, maybe I should put a bridge on some if of these I deals? If I could float, I'd float, but you can't raise money with that story. So what I made a mistake at the beginning of the career is we had a 10-year debt, got one-year IO, 10-year debt, 80 levered on C, C, C stuff, thinking that at 5%, it's going to be accretive when I go sell it. The guy would want to assume it. That was the absolute wrong thing to do. You know, Ken, you made a fortune in this room just buying all my deals because I was dumb, you know, that way. And so, you know, I think what we're doing now is we're shortening the duration. So I think it's hard to go raise money with floating rate debt. A lot of variables, cap costs are expensive, but I wouldn't be putting 10-year money on, right? At least not with the defeasance or yield maintenance. You know, get something with some prepay flex or shorten the defeasance or yield maintenance. Get a four and a half year defeasance. Don't get a nine and a half year defeasance. Because, you know, getting to sell it in three to four years, you got a year or two yield, of yield maintenance to deal with. It's not great, but it's not a killer like if you had seven or eight. So that's what we're doing. Mike's got a leg up, too. He's preferred agency borrower. So the rest of you are borrowing at six and a half percent. And then he's probably buying down the rate, too, and borrowing at six. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that we've been doing. Oh, we did four deals this year, two, two five years, two seven years, three Freddie, one, three Fannie, one Freddie, all fixed, all 65 of cost, full-term IO, we bought each one of the race down. Started at 475, had two about 530, this last one's 580, that was 30 basis points to go. So, but you could buy the rate down, it's usually accretive, 
if you're buying the rate down, meaning you'll get more in loan proceeds by buying the rate down. The agencies like it because it shows that you're putting, you know, actual more cash on the front of the deal. And it also protects your back end on your, your defeasance, your yield maintenance is not as risky because you have a lower, lower rate when, when it comes time. And hopefully the 10 year treasury is back to 50 bips. So we all make a bajillion dollars again. So yeah, that's what we're doing. So if, if I was a buyer, if I'm put on my buyer hat in this market, I'd be looking for loan assumptions. I'd be looking for developers. You know, sometimes these development deals, you know, they'll, they'll discount the rents and lease them up. And then on a renewal, you can actually raise the, raise the rent considerably. I was talking with a guy yesterday about this because, you know, there is such a thing as, you know, there, it's not comparable. There's nothing to comp it to. They are the highest in the market. And uh, he was telling me about some, you know, three to $400 trade outs he was getting on new rents. So I, I did want to ask too, if I could get a show of hands of who thought they were going to buy a deal in the next six months in this room. Okay. Who's there bought a deal as a GP? Who's bought a deal this year? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's what I was. And then who's selling a deal in the next six months? Just you, Ryan. <laughs> okay. Oh, we got a couple of sellers too. Three. Okay. I, and then, you know, if I'm, if I put on my seller's hat, you know, it would be to, you know, get multiple BOVs. You got, you know, a lot of talented brokers in this market, you know, so we all kind of see things differently. Sometimes, you know, I'll miss something. Sometimes, you know, somebody else will. So you can look at a, a lot of different opinions and have a lot of conversations. And then if you could put on some sort of a long-term fixed rate debt, like a HUD, there's a, there's another guy doing this strategy where they're going ahead and teeing up the HUD loan and then going to offer it for an assumption at a higher leverage, higher amortization, you know, better rate. That's my advice. Yeah. So starting with the buyer cap, and we have talked about that. Uh, one thing I think we're talking about these macro mechanisms with the interest rate and whatnot and the capital stack. And that goes with everyone that's doing a loan in the world and the U.S. It's challenging. The good thing we have here is still the DSW market and the Texas in general and seeing where that's coming. And that's really where I think it kicks in for regionally and looking at 25, 26, we're going to be in a really good spot. And again, you have a certain window and hindsight is so, so easy when you look back and I should have done all this in 2012. Well, yes, you could have, but you didn't. So that's getting out there and, 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 and believing in that and still be smart about it. But taking that opportunity, I think that's, that's going to be super important. And there will be some movement for groups that does that and kind of take it to the next level. When you turn it over to the seller side. I think it's very individual where you are. That's where the capital stack comes in again. You can't look to your neighbor and say, oh, they are not doing this, so I shouldn't be doing that. It really comes down to your situation, your cash flow, your loan, your timing, and there's a right and a wrong time to, to sell. And if you have two, three, three years left and you have money in the bank, you might not want to sell right now. You're going to hang on to it. But if you have six months left and you're betting on the interest rate, to go down to four, so it makes sense. Good luck. Yeah, I, I would say if if I was putting on a buyer hat, I would just I would I, I ask people this sometimes. I'm like, well, all things being equal, would you rather buy a deal at a five cap or a seven cap? I mean, seems pretty obvious. You can buy a deal that you would have bought for a five cap today at a seven cap. 
this debt situation is temporary. I mean, it's not going to stay this this bad. And we know that. And I think pretty much everybody in this room believes that. So if you really believe that, you know, how do you start positioning yourself to raise equity and get that story out there that, hey, we're buying on sale right now. So whoever's able to do that, I think is going to be really happy in a couple of years. Uh, the seller, from the seller side, I think it's just, again, if you're in the money, think about what else you could be doing with the money, because I, I'm guessing staying in a deal that you've already executed your business plan on, and uh, you're just going to tread water. I mean, that's possible. And it's not that that may be the right solution for some, maybe the wrong solution for others. But I do think if you're looking at a five-year perspective, redeploying that capital with some of these uh, deals that are available right now could could be a really, you know, a really smart thing to do. And then also just ask those hard questions. I'm an LP in a lot of deals. In fact, I saw a slide about the office building being terrible. I had a 0.0 equity multiple in an office investment I did before COVID. So my last office investment ever. But, you know, like, I, look, I get it. It's uh, some of these deals are, are going to be better. Some of them are going to be worse. Like in hindsight, it was not the operator's fault. It just COVID happened and that deal went in the, the dumps. It's the same right now. I don't think I'm not blaming operators for for the majority of the issues that we have right now as an LP. And so if some of them call me and say, hey, you know, which would you rather? So you want 70% of your money back or you want a capital call? I'll take the 70% of my original money back. Now, again, that may not be everybody, but you need to take the temperature of your partnership instead of uh, just assuming that everybody is going to really revolt and not want this. And don't get yourself in a bind because, again, time is not our friend in general right now, especially if you've got a, a rate cap coming up uh, in your future. So that's my summary. All right. Does it, Mark, anything to add? If not, we'll let everyone move I mean, on to the next funny video. It. Just on the self, I mean, just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, I've, I've been saying play the odds. It's, you can't predict the future, but, you know, I mean, if you look back in 2021 at, at you know, with Fed funds rate at zero, is it going to go down? I mean, some people, I guess we're saying we're going to be in a negative interest rate environment, but it's more likely to go up. So, you know, ex expect that you're going to have some, some more headwinds with expenses specifically taxes, insurance, expect that, you know, interest rates are going to go up. And I've just, you know, I've just been trying to advise whether you're going to sell a refi, you know, take action yesterday. You know, from a buyer perspective, I do believe in the market. Obviously, yields are compressed here in DFW compared to other places across the country because we have, you know, an incredible uh, amount of demand here. Still, companies are moving in despite, you know, economy slowing down. And uh, it's still relatively affordable to other places in the country. So people believe in the growth story. I do believe there are deals out there that are viable. Just be convicted in your forward projections of NOI. I mean, you got to be in this market to be buying. So the operational market's changing. It's tough to, you know, perform a higher, you know, go in and increase $200 rents on a deal that's traded three times in the last seven to 10 years. So, you know, just, I, I think everyone's doing the right things, coming here, absorbing information. And, you know, networking because, you know, everyone should be going around, you know, just saying, hey, I'm looking for this kind of deal. These are the returns I'm looking for and trying to get commitments for capital to help in your capital raise. So good on you for being here and thanks for everyone coming out. I appreciate everyone's attention.